And welcome to the Empire Dynasty League podcast. It's been a little while in between pods, but we're back. We're, uh, who would have thought it'd be hard to align a schedule when we're forced to stay inside constantly, but that's been the case. Uh, your host Ben back here with Keeney. How are you, man? Oh shit, let's try that again. It helps if I actually turn your volume up. Uh, then people might be able to hear what you have to say. I'll throw to you again. Keeney, how are you, man? Good, mate. Good for the second time. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was just saying the pre-season's among us now and the season's just around the corner. So really exciting times for for those who love the NFL, but also for the second instalment of the EDL, not too far away. We've had our coffees. We're up and about. How are you going, Hod? Good, good, Keeney. Coffees are in. What else is in, Keeney? You cheeky devil. <laughs> but we are living our best lives here together. Lockdown lives. And i tell you who is living his best life. The DDF called me last night. I think he was a few cancer stick sticks in because the mind was free. But the factory has opened up a milkshake stand. And let me tell you, boys, boy, oh, boy, are the boys coming to the yard. That's what he's telling me. He's up and about, the big fella. He's added some tools to the factory, so all the best to him. But good to be here. Oh, Jesus. He was bringing the boys to the yard, was he? He is. He is, not was. He still is. Were his boys playing in the preseason game yesterday? Because my goodness, did he get very excited about a few of his boys let's in start, that yard. Let's start with that. We'll move into a bit of our league and NFL league news. Um, just the buzz and excitement around preseason. Isn't it large at the moment in this league? Well, that's the beauty of Dynasty boys. I, I love it. I love the DFF throwing out, you know, anything and everything for one little play that a preseason brings. That, that's the beauty of Dynasty versus Redraft, I think. We're always engaged. I, you know, you have to check your rosters to see who's playing and where, but I think it's great. What do you think? No, nah, it's, it's probably a fair call, but as I said in the, in the group chat, I just think it's the, the real-life version of clickbait, so that really suits the DDF down to the ground. Um, obviously, he's had got very excited over who was it quiz Watkins and Anthony McFarlane with those rocket ships to the moon he's very excited by some preseason action but for mine there's no better representation of the overreaction in preseason or training camp or stuff like that with Jamar Chase just getting some real negative buzz now everyone's saying oh he can't separate this and that I think everyone just needs to relax a little bit with him um just the other one though off and as we've touched on we don't want to overreact too much but the league champ. Now, we discussed it at the time that we thought his second round rookie draft pick was maybe a touch touch of a reach, but he went after and got his went up and got his boy that he liked. I tell you what, after yesterday's performance, boys, do we think he's got a bit of a Ramondre Stephenson? <laughs> yes. Wow. You said oh. you said he he was reaching and possibly went up. He was going up when he saw that highlight of Ramondre just <laughs> running down the sidelines, or as you pointed out, Keeney, someone tweeted, ran past, what was it? He ran past five people. 
Some used car salesmen. <laughs> Five used car salesmen on the way to the end zone. Fantastic. Uh, it, was, it, was a nice, it was a nice performance from the Stephenson. It was. Well, it's, it's, uh, Rumour is the Pats have already extended his rookie contract. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. There we go. It picked up his fifth-year option. All right. Well, uh, in the world of EDL, which is why I'm sure all five of you have tuned in to listen today, um, we've got a, a couple of changes. Obviously, the um, the roster cutoffs have happened in terms of, I guess, the off-season into the pre-season type thing. So our waiver wire budgets have reset. But what other changes are there, Keeney? Well, the first one um, probably that maybe affects the league the most probably is that the trade line this year will be at the end of week 14. So um, that deadline at the end of the season going into playoffs. So um, we just think that gave a bit more opportunities for those that are kind of in to compete for the, for the year to have a bit more flexibility and those that are wanting to cash out and maybe get a bit more value off those competitive teams um, that kind of suits both parties there. I just think that'll work better this year than, than going a bit earlier than we did last year. Um, the other one is that Jake, the the former champ, now that we're into the next year, is the former champ. Um, he has selected the two weeks that uh, we'll be fighting for some bonus cash. So as we know, um, most weeks it'll be a $20 prize for the top scorer, but in two weeks it's a $40 prize. Now, he got in touch with me about the two weeks that he's selected, um, and I'd like to kind of reveal what, what the conversation was. He said to me, boys, I want to choose week three and week 10. And I kind of looked at that and went, okay, it's not his highest projected scores, but that's interesting. And he said, and I would like it to be known that these weeks don't help me, but they certainly don't help another league member. Oh, okay. Any, any, any first thoughts, Hod or Ben? Well, it's got to be mm-hmm. someone who's heavily affected by buys in one of those weeks, if not both. Oh, it's a very spiteful call of the no, reigning no champ. No one's got a buy in week three, but there is a certain yeah, someone okay. that may I've, have a few buys in week 10. I've got my guess. Based off the last two uh, league members we had on that went in a fiery head-to-head of their first <laughs> week matchup and happens to have a lot of Giants players. Am I on the, the money there, Katie? Mm, you certainly may be on the money there, mate. Just some punishing yep. that might happen I in think, week 10. I think, I think this is a... This is directly squared at Papa's punishes. If you look at his team in week 10, no Daniel Jones, Nick Foles, so really no QB replacement there for the Superflex. No Saquon Barkley, no David Johnson, Kadarius Tony, Sterling Shepard, Darius Boyd, all on by. So I think he's really, he's really happy with what he's, what he's done there, Jake, which is the best part. I love that that's where he decided to go and look. Like, who yeah. can I fuck over the most? Yeah, not about me. It's not about me winning the cash. It's about uh, stopping Papa winning cash. That's fantastic. Just really oh, digging the knife in. All right, well, let's move on, shall we, to... We've had a, a couple of polls go out over the last couple of weeks, so it's time to get into some power rankings. That's the power of love. That's the power of love. Ooh, and these power rankings, very, very interesting stuff. We've gone ahead and... You know, with a year under our belt and a bit of hindsight uh, to reflect upon the startup draft reflection. So we've given a few questions for people in the league to have a bit of a think about. We'll start off with uh, everyone's thoughts on who had the best 
uh, overall draft. That was a question we put out there. So OJ's legal team got four league member votes. Straight Cash Homies, three votes. Prestige Worldwide got a couple of votes there. And then 3-1 voters to the Bayside Executioners, the Park City Lions, and the DFF. Now, one of those might stand out uh, to the listeners out there, or maybe to most listeners except for one. Um, Yeah, just look, a couple of things there. So going through, people gave a bit of context to their their voting. So Jake getting four votes, you know, a third of the league right there. So um, I guess there was some similar thinking that we noticed in that pretty much people went in with the mindset of he won the league, so therefore he had the best draft. So what are your thoughts on that, guys? What do you reckon, Hod? Um, I don't personally subscri- subscribe to that theory. I think um, you set up your team and your foundation in the draft, but um, I kind of think a lot of uh, other things came to fruition for Jake and handling throughout the year, and, and, and teams can definitely trade um, and put themselves into a fancy position. But, um, yeah, I don't know if I fully subscribe to that plain and simply they win the ring, so they had the best draft. What about you, Kenny? Yeah, no, I'm kind of with you. I mean, I'm obviously there's a, a few teams had a few different ways they went about it, but for mine, um, he may have ended up with the with the ring, but for mine, it doesn't necessarily mean he's got the best squad going forward. And um, as we've touched on many times, it doesn't really matter though because he does have that ring, so he's pretty happy either way. But um, I think I think it'll be a uh, the, the reflection on the startup draft will be more prevalent in the next two, three, four years um, as we start to see teams kind of develop a bit more. Yeah, I guess yep. it, it really depends on when you're voting what your preference is. It's ambiguous for a reason. You know, best draft, you know, we left that draft and back when we started this podcast, which we're just over a year now, I looked back and found out, which is uh, mm. time flies, doesn't it, when you're in lockdown? I think Tim's um, still on the clock. Yeah, Tim is still on the <laughs> clock. Um but yeah, like looking back over it, when when we finished the draft, it was pretty much consensus from the league then that, you know, Jake and Hod and um, Tim and Scoot, they sort of drafted for the now, therefore had the strongest teams coming out of the draft. But, you know, I, I kind of looked at it and thought, well, I personally voted for Tim's team because I thought that, you know, even after one year, Tim is still up there competing. And yes, he's made some off-season moves, but the foundation of his team was built in that draft a lot of those mid-range picks that have paid off for him, you know, DK Metcalf, those type of players. Um, whereas Jake did go for the early players and, you know, some of those haven't panned out for him. So he's made some moves to to slightly change his squad. So I was trying to keep my mindset on solely the draft when I went about this. Mm, that's a fair point. And and for me, it was, it was more the strategy and the execution of the draft, hence why I went... With um, Thais, because in hindsight, um, he attacked two key positions um, and is absolutely set with premium quarterbacks and tight ends moving forward. So I think um, he also employed, you know, a young wide receiver strategy. So that's up and coming. He's got the premium players in the in two key positions moving forward. It just means for me that he he only has to pivot in perhaps running backs or um, tinker like with less positions than if a team went with a, a balanced roster. Um, so that that's what, what I looked at in this analysis for who I thought had the best draft. What about you, Kenny? Yeah, no, it's a, that's a fair shout. Um, I actually voted for Ben. I thought... Um, Ew. 
I think I thought if you if you kind of go back through it, I thought he was pretty good at exponent of moving back in the draft at certain times to pick up some future draft capital, which then allowed him to be a bit more flexible um, in this offseason in particular in terms of targeting a few blokes that he ended up getting to make his squad stronger. But for me, it was kind of ultimately down to he jagged Justin Herbert at the 1001, um, and that's just enormous um, value for starters, but also just allows him just to have so much flexibility. Um, obviously, we've seen what he did. He ended up moving him for, for Patrick Mahomes. So to have kind of the best player at, at the most important position for basically eight to 10 years um, off the back of drafting a bloke at the 1001. So that, in a nutshell, for me, means that he, he won the draft. Well, if you ever want to know what it feels like to be third wheeling an absolute love fest, I am doing it right now, everyone. <laughs> this is ridiculous that's, that's what's a, going on between these two. Fair point. Yeah. <laughs> um, or another strategy you can employ is the uh, the old oh. scooter hubris theory <laughs> that almost half the league took, which is my own team had the best draft. We're not surprised here, are we, boys? Because I look at this best draft. We have OJ's legal team. Up the top, straight cash homies, prestige worldwide, Bayside. Uh, that was you, wasn't it, Ben? Bayside executions, then Park City Lines. They're all top teams. And then you see one at the bottom, the old DDF. D- <laughs> <laughs> oh, the old DDF, bloody milkshake factory, you cheeky devil. So there is hubris for you at its bloody peak. I was um, going to say, you just... Fancy going through the draft, winning two games, and thinking, "Yep, that's the best draft I've ever seen." <laughs> yeah, well, he well, gets, gets all the boys to the yard. That's all that matters. As, he loves uh, the boys in the yard. As someone pointed out, which we'll get to in the comments of who had the worst draft. Some of the, you know, it won't be a surprise. I'll <laughs> that DFF or DDF features pretty high on the worst draft. So some of the reasons <laughs> there might uh, make you a bit confused why he had a personal opinion that he had the best draft of the league. But can he run us through the worst drafted uh, voted teams? That's a great segue, really. Um, I will. I'll take us through the worst draft votes. Now, we've got a tie at the top. Don't take it to heart, but Jim City with five votes and the DFF with five votes. And that's, then a couple that's of 10 out of 12 ones. right there. It is. That's large. That's, that's, most, that's most of the league agreeing. And then a couple of cheeky one voters. Now one to Papa's punishers. I, I can't actually remember who voted it for him last, but I'll, um, I'm sure Ben knows. I'm going to guess and, that um, it's Jake, the same person who put the yeah, week ten bounty on. And then and and another team with one vote. Hod the humdingers. Uh, <laughs> initial reactions, please. You're fucking kidding me, aren't you? <laughs> well, it, it must be rivalry round because I can only guess there's only one tiny mind in this league that would go down this path and maybe I'll get to him a bit later on. But also check out the Instagram, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> maybe that will give some insight post. as to who it could have been. He's definitely uh, he's well and truly trying to spark that rivalry up again. Isn't he? There, is it, you kind of it, go through his voting here, and it's just pot shot after pot shot at Hod. I love it. Yeah. Mm. Um. Yeah. So I did look back. the The Pappas Punishers vote was. Uh, should we reveal? Should we? I know we say that most of these are anonymous, but I reckon well, this bloke voted, and based on his comments, I think he kind of wanted it to be revealed on the pod. And it was from the Prestige Worldwide owner, Matty Mack, that voted the Pappas Punishers ooh, as the ooh. worst team. Hold and, on. Do you want to know his reasoning? Ooh. Go. Yep. 
That's going to be long, a lot of details. No, you know, he's very succinct on this one. It's probably one of the first few times that Matt's been succinct. So he's voted Pappas Punishers, worst team in the draft, and his reason didn't take into account that old players retire. (laughs) (laughs) That is really good. It's not bad, though. It's actually really good. Could that spark a little division rivalry? Might. It might do. Didn't he also mm. vote for Papa in the other league to be in his division? Did he handpick? Oh, no, was that was in this. Yeah, he handpicked yeah, him in this. Yeah. Yeah, hand-picked you can't him. win. Papa's rivalry is just life in general, so <laughs> you can't oh, bloody win. Nah, I'm not going to cop that. I did, I've did. i made this clear in the in the last pod, or two pods oh, ago. Yeah. He's not going to be a yeah, punchy you, bag, mate. You giant men. Yeah. The giants got to stick together, mate. Daniel That's Jones. Right. We're going to be weeping about Daniel Jones, I'm sure. <laughs> This season, so we got to stick together. Um, yeah. So, Hod, your um, the comment about your team is the average years remaining in career one point three was the comment there. I don't know if he's talking about your career in Dynasty or your player's Ooh. career. I don't know. Could be interpreted yeah, both ways. Spicy. Um, I'm going to save all of my comebacks for later. Well, are you getting motivation off this, Hod, like I did last year? Yep, in the study. Can't you see the poster behind me, Keeney? <laughs> no, it's behind on the on the wall. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll get to him. Don't worry, I won't miss him. Do you want to run us through um, some more comments, Hod? I will. Uh, this <laughs> this must be about the stallions. He's been rattled. Um, Come on, he's rattled him. He's so, super rattled. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just working out what you boys have done on this little section. Um. I chose Jim. This is from whoever this is, an anonymous, because I believe he was half going for the future and half for now. My opinion is you need to be all in or out. He made some questionable questionable decisions through the draft. That's a Mm. fair whack. It was an essay as well. (laughs) Yeah. Fair whack. Fair story. Fair story (laughs) that he's got. So Jim obviously getting five votes got a uh, a few people giving feedback. That was one of them. You got yeah. another one. I've got, I've got some feedback about the DFF here. Um, bit of an AFL theme, which I quite enjoyed. I'm not sure who wrote it, but I liked it. Five year rebuild was planned before he had a player on his roster. If he was at Carlton, he'd be sacked already. <laughs> Pretty sharp. <laughs> uh, I already um, revealed Papa's one, so you jump yes, ahead you and, and reveal that one about Jim there. Oh, another one about Jim. Jeez, Jim, oh, just for the record, I did not do these. They've just been given to me. But I wonder if we Josh can to... guess who did this Let's one. See if we can work out who, who yeah, I reckon we one. could have a fair crack. <laughs> <laughs> who takes Josh Jacobs over Cole Komet? <laughs> you missed out the face palm emoji. There is a face palm emoji there. Jesus. And uh, and finally, just to round out the uh, the feedback <laughs> given from the league, um, there were three separate comments about Jim's drafting strategy um, and here they are first one he reached second one three picks in the first five rounds and then trades without any thought so mm. that's a bit of a bit of a summary for, for Jim there you know I think a theme like, a theme there is that Jim and Steph got equal most votes in that a, a lot of people felt the need to give a bit of context I guess of their thoughts about why Jim ended up in that position, you know, because I guess he was fairly competitive last year, but then no one really, when you look at it, felt the need to give any feedback on why the DFF, I think it was self-explanatory why he was voted in that position. (laughs) They just didn't even need to give the comment. 
Yeah, so it's yeah, it's it's more it's a compliment to Jim that there is actual feedback, whereas Steph gets nothing because the well the league views him how they view him. But I I think we should get Jim on. Um, he he only just missed out on the playoffs. He's copping a fair whack here. Mm. Um, he was very competitive last year still. So get him on. Get let him have his whack back to everyone. He loves a whack too. Get him on for the whack back, hey. Hey. <laughs> the X-rated pod. <laughs> There's another segment. <laughs> oh boy. All right, Hod, kick us off with uh, the votes on the best player, or the best pick it was, oh, actually. The best pick. Oh, here we speaking go. Of, another, speaking another, of whack back. Speaking of hubris, oh. um, it was, well, not consensus, but this is a pretty much a landslide here. But Justin Herbert um, dominated for five and a half. I, I don't know why you've incorporated half votes here. but Because one, one person Sherbert, was a fence hitter. The sh- yeah, um, the Sherbet was on top. Uh, Darren Waller, second, um, with this other half vote. But a surprising third. I would have thought he was higher, but Justin Jefferson, that was an only amazing got, Only got one vote. That's pretty only got one. Was it, was it from the owner? It wasn't from know the that? owner. No, it was not. Oh, okay. It was from your Good. rival. Uh-huh. Uh, he shouldn't get any airtime, so Let's we'll move on. Um, <laughs> James, James Robinson, number one. Um, Delvin Cook, Paddy Mahomes, and oh, spare me. Yeah, Darnell Mooney. Mm, yeah, what are we? So it's good to see that what, uh, someone took this poll seriously. Yeah. Well, well uh, the whilst they were the best picks, I'll I'll throw to the worst picks that uh, we voted on here. Now, a bit of a consensus, probably consensus top two worst picks, and we'll get to kind of how you should judge this in a second, but. The one with four votes was Todd Gurley. Obviously, the champ took him with the 405 in the startup, um, currently without a team at the minute. Um, and then Michael Thomas with two votes, um, obviously going through a bit at the minute. And then single votes to Kenyon Drake, Christian McCaffrey, mm. interesting, Cole Komet, accurate, Darius Geis, also accurate, Saquon Barkley, Ooh. interesting, and finally, Daniel Jones. So mm. there's your there's your worst picks of the draft voting. Uh, right. I'm looking at some of those and thinking, obviously, yeah, Gurley Thomas, you can understand where they were picked, what they returned. CMC, I understand, I guess, to an extent, the 101 pick for Hod, what you were expecting to get out of him last season going all in. Obviously a disappointment, but I think you getting pretty decent returns on him Um softens the blow a fair bit there. And probably the same um, can't be said for Cole Komet. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's, well, I don't that's think you're going to get much like, return. That, that's, I think you nailed it, though. I think you mentioned return on investment. I think that's that's how I view this, this category. And for mine, a player like Christian McCaffrey still has enormous value, and we saw what kind of value he has. So for mine, that's not a bad pick if he still has value. Um yeah, I think Barkley you know, as well. Like, if Barkley was on the, the table, the you'd get a pretty decent return for him. If Pap yeah, so I think up. that's a bit more results-orientated process rather than the actual pick itself. Like, hmm. if Barkley doesn't get injured, I'm not sure that's a terrible pick because I'm sure he, you could still net quite a few first-rounders for him. Um, and similar for mine, like, obviously, I traded Daniel Jones for a first-rounder plus, so I don't see that as a terrible pick Yeah, because I, mean, I still got some value out of it. Where did you draft so, him? In the eighth round, eighth round, and you got good return, and he had a pretty average season. So, hmm. yeah, that's yeah. I think I think you know it's definitely a results 
based decision uh, or mindset on how you'd go about this or the um, return on investment piece. Um, like that's why I struggle with this one. Cause to be honest, I, I did think about putting McCaffrey if I was looking at that results based mindset, but like, look at Michael Thomas, for example, not only did he not give results due to injury, but then now he's in this pickle in the off season where he could get traded and that's obviously going to put down in people's minds. So then what, what do you do with him? So then the return on investment piece is a little sketchy as well. So um, and I think, I'm just speaking for myself there, but yeah, uh, perhaps someone else in the league agreed. I I agree with that one. That I found this one tough. I went Michael Thomas as well, purely because he's the 104 at that point in the draft. You want to obviously get as much out of it as possible, which I can understand also then the argument for CMC at 101 as well. Um, but I agree, it's a bit more murky for Michael Thomas this offseason now than it is for CMC. But then, once again, are we but, just thinking purely in the draft or are we now thinking with hindsight of everything else? It's, I was yeah. going to say, let, just, but let's let's be honest, like CMC, if you don't take... Like, who's not taking him one or two? Like, it doesn't, doesn't yeah. matter. Like, he was going in the top two, so... Also, the, the talk where, around... Wherever he was taken... The talk around Michael Thomas going into to dynasty startup drafts is that, you know, wide receivers are pretty safe floor picks... And it just didn't happen last year, did it? So that'd be pretty disappointing for Yeah, well, Manny. I mean, for Manny's sake, it's it's more he misses the first year, basically. Is he, what was it, pick four? Pick four, yeah. Miss, misses the first year, and then it's looking like he's going to miss um, probably the first, you know, six to eight weeks at least. And then there's the ongoing saga with he might get traded and or the yeah, the Saints have had enough of him. So it's just, you just hope you get some sort of outcome. Um, and he's able to get some sort of value back. But I suppose that's the big unknown at the moment with him. Yeah. And look, this is where these are good uh, conversation starters being so ambiguous and um, still not knowing, I guess, the full picture for players like Michael Thomas and what he could still be a wide receiver top three this year. Like if he ends up in a good situation and, you know, he's happy with where he is. But anyway, let's move on. It's probably a good segue into the other poll that we did, which was <laughs> biggest dynasty headaches. Um which, once again, nice and ambiguous. Some people looked at it maybe from the point of view of this player could be a headache for other people or could they be a headache for their team. So we'll just give a quick rundown. So QBs, um, I think it's a pretty safe bet that Deshaun Watson gets the most votes there for being the biggest headache this year, I think, in real life and in uh, Dynasty. Daniel Jones got four votes. Sorry, Watson got five. Daniel Jones, four. Darnold, three. And Tua, three as well. So... Can you give us some of your thoughts or takeaways from that? Yeah, well, I think removing Deshaun Watson, which is kind of the the piece here that um, has a few different outcomes, but either whatever way you spin it, it's probably not looking great for this year. Um, but the other three, I think Jones, Darnold and, and Tua all kind of sit on a bit of an edge with their dynasty value and, and in turn their NFL career value. So I think um, if any one of those three kind of have a poor year this year, they're they're in a little bit of strife uh, from a dynasty point of view, and also the, just their future is a little bit unknown. I think it's quite possible that each franchise could move on um, from those kind of players. Even though kind of Darnold's new at Carolina, Tua's pretty second year at, at Miami, and obviously Jones's third year at the Giants, but um, I think they're all kind of pretty risky assets to hold at the moment. Um, and just we talked about you and. You and Papa maybe having to weep, weep together. Did you 
happened to catch the the Daniel Jones video, Ben, that I'd put in the chat. I was just going to ask, are you more concerned about the offensive line that just let a free rusher come through, or the um, or the throw, or, or the um, throw that went there's a few five things, yards straight to the defender? A few things worried me about that. One was my eyesight at first because I uh, I watched that and thought, oh, what's the big deal? The receiver just dropped the football, but then realised that he was throwing to a defender with. <laughs> Probably the closest receiver would have been about 20, 30 yards down the field, I reckon. It was, yeah, it was concerning on multiple levels. But I'd rather see that in pre-season videos than in regular seasons. So hopefully he just gets those out of the way nice and early. (laughs) Get him out early. He better. He's going to be a very juicy uh, player for this league, I think. Mostly because Papa owns him now and everyone loves to get in into Papa. But... um, Let's move on to the running back votes here. And it was a two-horse race. It was Josh mm. Jacobs and Saquon again. Mm. Papa. Oof. He features a lot on this pod, I tell you what. I'll um, kick us off with Jacobs. Um, I think – the he- and, and I took this as headaches, um, as in who's going to give their own team headaches, um, some p- uh, possible questions to answer the- for this coming season. So Josh Jacobs is one. Um, I, think you've, uh, I think you've finished – it was quite high RB seven last year, but if we just look, if we just look at redraft, he's going well down that now. I think he's RB sixteen or getting drafted around there at the at the minute. So people are a little down on him. And Kenyon Drake um, coming on board has a bit to do with that. I think um, his role has been talked about quite a lot by Gruden, um, and he also got paid quite a lot for a running back. So I'm sure they have a plan for him. Uh, Josh Jacobs had 33 catches last year, and that's. That's probably his ceiling. You, you always want those running backs to get up to the 50 cash mark um, to jump those tiers um, right up into the premium tier. And um, Gruden's already talked about the plan to use Drake as that gadget um, player around with with wide receivers and then as a pass catching back. So I'm not sure that that can increase for Jacobs um, moving forward. And then obviously the O-line's the last um, question. They, they shipped off two of their better um, season veterans uh, in the off season. So it'll be interesting to see how Jacobs goes this year. He's obviously a super talented back, but um, plenty of questions uh, the league obviously has for him. Mm. Yeah, no, that's a, it's a fair call from the league. I think the other one, Saquon Barkley. Now this, uh, this resonates nicely with me due to our little wine bet we've got with Pap. I know you don't want me to be too harsh on him, Ben, but uh just it's good to see, again see the league's probably leaning towards my side of that bet, which is good. <laughs> um, look, I think I think the probably the main thing is that there's no doubt we we know kind of what value he provides to the Giants. So I think they're just going to have to be pretty cautious with him. Um, and look, I think the reports are pretty positive in terms of how he's recovered from his knee, but you can just see them being really cautious. Um, and we just probably don't know how long it's going to be until we're going to actually see him get trotted out there uh, full steam ahead for Saquon. So that's probably the biggest question mark. Um, obviously, they've got a few more mouths to feed there. They've got kind of more of a, a passing game um, with a few additions there. And, and, of course, those offensive line question marks are still there as well. And I think the biggest question mark for Saquon is actually Jason Garrett um, and how this offense rolls with him at the helm. It wasn't great last year. Maybe that's that's a small sample, and I'm t- reading too much into it. But uh, the lack of imagination from Jason is uh, a bit bit worrying. Thoughts, Ben? Uh, yeah, no, I think you know you could argue that 
Um, Zeke had a pretty prosperous career with, with Garrett as his head coach and running that offense. So I'm not hugely concerned by that. I'm, I'm not a fan of going three and out and then going to the sidelines and seeing him just clapping away. Yeah, good job, boys. Um, that kind of pisses me off to see. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm a bit torn on how Barkley's going to go this year. I think injury is probably the biggest concern, um, more so than any of the other points you bring up. I think, yeah, more mouths to feed. You could argue the other way that, yep, it, it means that they can't stack the box as much because now you've got to worry about the threats down the field and you could spin that the other way. So I reckon injury is probably, for me, the part that just has me most concerned. Tell you, there are a lot of questions about this, this man, Saquon, but there are no questions around when he does fire up and gets a little 10-yarder or an 80-yard oh. bomb. Are we going to hear about it from Papa? He will be up and about every weekend for this bloke. And Ben's going to just chime in there too and say, I told you so, boys. Don't worry about it. I'm going to be Papa's clapper just every time that he comments <laughs> on Saquon. I'm just going to give him a little round of applause. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to, um, to the wide receivers. And another sort of really top two that came out of this was a little bit to what we were talking about before with Michael Thomas getting six votes and OBJ getting four votes there. And I think, um, you know, you can probably understand why people would have thought these two players might give some headaches. Um, No one can question both of their talents, what they can produce. I think with Thomas, it's a little bit of, is there injury concern? Is there a bit of headspace concern? Is it to do with something going on between him and the organization? Um, that's a bit up in the air. So lots of headaches potentially to unfold. And OBJ, talk about injuries. That bloke um, just can't string a season together. I think he's had one season where he's put together and played every game. I think that's what the stat is. But yeah, that um, very frustrating. And I suppose mm. also in an offense where there is a bit more of a focus on the run than the passing. So he's not going to get the same sort of hyper targets that he got in New York. And yeah, a few headaches there. What are your thoughts? Well, yeah, I I see these two as somewhat similar in the way that they're both supremely talented wide receivers um, that have some mental space issues, I would say um, off the field and, and which, which makes them appealing in fantasy. Like I still think they're they're appealing assets to own in fantasy. Like I, I really rate Michael Thomas's talent, um, but I'm just thinking kind of if you if you're in Manny's shoes right now, without obviously speaking for him, I think it's a good discussion. Like what what would you do? What's his value right now? Are you is he because he because he was the first startup pick for him? Is it I've just got to hold him? Is it sunk cost fallacy, um, or what do you, what would you want for him? Because I, I I personally think there will be some teams out there that would be willing to have a go at him if he gets to the if he gets to a different team or if he sorts out his issues going forward. Mm, it's interesting. Um, just looking at a, a dynasty trade calculator, his stock has plummeted. Yeah. So I know this is uh, well. It wasn't by design, Manny, but I hope you're still listening because it's been just raining shit on one of your players for the whole time. But it's um, it doesn't look great. And I, I keep forgetting Michael Thomas is older um, than than you think because, uh, uh, yeah, 28. I didn't realise that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I wish – I hope for Manny's sake Thomas works out for him and I hope for Camo's case OBJ shits the bed again. 
Mm. So it's, that's it, all I have to chime in on it. It sucks for Manny because Michael Thomas was, before last year, everyone would have said the safest wide receiver you could pick just about. Like he hadn't had a bust season. He hadn't really missed many games due to injuries. Um yeah, it was arguably the safest wide receiver to pick, and then it happened to be his worst season by a mile. So I think, to your point, Keeney, I I think if you're Manny, I don't know if you're going to get a return that leaves you satisfied with where you, what you expected from him. And that's, I suppose, the hardest thing for anyone who takes a player high. Um, you know, and, and maybe, Hod, you can speak to this, because taking CMC, not getting the return for him, at what point are you willing to go... I mean, I think you got pretty well compensated with what you were trying to go for, but um, yeah, it's a hard one when you take a player that high. Yeah, well, yeah, it is. I mean, it definitely depends on what where you're at with your team and what you forecast um, moving forward. But yeah, I think emotion has to come out of it where you drafted them and, and whatever. You got to take the best deal when you can get it. Um, so if that pops up for Manny, he'd have to seriously consider it just as I did for Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, and just quickly, I've gone and got uh, Odell Beckham's total games count in his seven seasons, 12 in his first, 12 games, 15 in his second, 16 in his third, good start, then 4, 12, 16, 7. So it's a bit of a roller coaster since his first three years in the league. So who knows what this season will bring for mm. Camo and OBJ. All right, well, let's and move. Oh, sorry, Kenny, go. I was just going to say, finally, we um, we had a look at the tight end numbers, but they were just... It speaks a little bit to the position. There was just so many one votes. I think there was 13 or 14 tight ends that might give someone a headache at some point. So that kind of speaks to just how even that tight end group is. So we probably nothing really to, to glean out of that. Yeah, just that yep. the tight end position in general will give everyone a headache is pretty much the takeaway, <laughs> isn't it? Well, let's yep. move. This this segment was so popular in the last episode that it's, it's made a triumphant return, and that is the uh, tiny genius minds combined once again. I love that song for these two blokes. <laughs> you can just see them dancing in the wind down the hill together, hand in hand, the big goobers. All right. So tiny genius minds. I'm going to, I'm going to flip this goobers. segment. I'm not sure that they're combining um, once again, after this little rant, but here's a snippet of what's uh, some feedback scoot gave for what was it? The worst draft, I think. So yeah, yeah. here's word for word. What he said. He's a disgrace to everything that fantasy stands for. He's a perennial loser who thinks that it, that is acceptable. Had to blow up his team within weeks after the startup draft. Let that comment sink in for a moment. There's not a day that goes by that I don't think about how better the league would be if Mayer had taken the spot over Dung. The only <laughs> thing that he's elite at doing is being a narcissistic dickhead. And his team motto is a load of crap. Pay me my wine. There's some words. How about it, boys? I, I'm just imagining him like in the in the form to fill out the, the poll. It's quite a small kind of box to write into. He's just I can just imagine him typing away, just not stopping. Yeah, just he, let it all out, son. He didn't miss a beat. He wrote an entire paragraph there. Um, you know the segment. Hold as he said, it was called the. Tiny genius minds combine. And I know you said this is probably a bit more one-sided. I think they do combine again because um, here's Scoot going on an absolute rant about the DFF and everything that he stands for. And However, these two blokes were the only two guys that voted themselves 
as the best drafted teams. And that was the only vote that they got. So maybe there is something in common with these two guys again. Well, I'm just I'm just thinking, is this a tip off to actually suggest that Scooter is listening? Because maybe he hasn't taken too fondly that we compared the two together and thought that they uh, they thought very similar. And now he's gone with the complete opposite approach in his uh, when he's filling out the form. So maybe he's trying to, you know, just take us off his scent a little bit there. What do you think? I mean, it's- I'm not, I'm not going to use up any energy trying to get into any of these two blokes' minds. That's what I'm not doing. That's a fair call. That is a fair call. And uh, market in DFF, I think it was about the 39-minute mark where you were called a narcissist. So the irony of you writing that into a little <laughs> sketchbook is <laughs> oh, a good brilliant. visual. Um, all right. Well, a nice podcast again for getting everyone's thoughts of the leagues. I really do like sending these polls out and a lot of these polls are really come from the feedback from everyone in the league, throwing out some ideas of what things they'd like to listen to. So we're very appreciative of the feedback and um, looking forward to more suggestions that come because they make for good content. Mm. Uh, no doubt, mate. And I've a little birdie's told me the the, uh, the clothes here, it's, it's not about me. So I'm just going <laughs> to take it straight over to Hod, mate. What have you got for us? Well, what we've got is a new segment alert to all the listeners. A new segment alert? Got... Hold on. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I'm going to try and do this segment over the outro music. He's gone a bit early to the host. Oh, Jesus. Nah, it's now, Hod's outro. closing cook. Um, oh, I think, I think uh, Hod's closing Delvin cook. <laughs> so um, what's, what is very, very uh, impressive is... Whoever the sales rep for this production of ours, the EDL podcast, has gone out because this product placement is sensational for this topic. It is brought to you by the uber successful video game, Leisure Suit Larry Wet Dreams Don't Dry. Now, Camo, your time has come, you Romanian rug muncher. I know we have an intense rivalry. It's growing by the day. The latest instalment, and this is where I'm going to provide you with his ludicrous takes it's he had me having the worst draft of all 12 league members last year in the startup this is obviously a fiercely subjective view because the objective one would have detailed that i did make the playoffs and did score the fifth most points of the season whilst missing cmc for 12 of 16 games and julio for nine of 16 games secondly he has put Kenyon drake as the worst draft pick out of all 300 blokes picked Get your tiny hands off your tiny chub, Camo. I drafted Kenyon Drake as the 13th running back off the board, and he finished as the RB14 on the season. So there you have it. I reckon he thought he was 5-4 up in the first set, 40 love, serving for the set. He's got me covered. I'm going to come back, break this bloke. This season, next season, whenever it is, he'll be looking from the outside in as he was last year. He thinks he has the division all sewn up, but we'll have something in for him. There you go. I'm fired up. <laughs> that has been bubbling away. The <laughs> Romanian rug puncher. Yeah, <laughs> he is. Oh, he God. Is. I don't think we need an outro, mate. I think sign off after that. No, I don't need a sign off anymore. I'm fired up. I'm ready to have a beer. Rug muncher over and out. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Wet dreams don't dry. You cheeky devil.